Thanks for checking out the Vox Church podcast. We are so honored to have you join us, and we hope this message speaks to you in a powerful way. Learn more about Vox Church by visiting us online at voxchurch.org. Enjoy the message. Come on, put your hands together. We love you, Lord. Glory to you, Jesus. Are you excited to be in church today? I hope so. Amen, amen. If you're new to Vox Church, welcome. We're so glad you're here. My name is Justin. I'm the lead pastor. Thanks for being with us today. Don't forget about tonight, 4 p.m., 6.30, North Haven Fairgrounds. It's going to be awesome. I'm so excited, so excited. And I'm excited for next week, church. I'm excited to gather next week all across Connecticut Massachusetts. I really believe God's going to do a great work tonight and all throughout as we launch into this personal Jesus series starting next Sunday. It's just going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. I'm excited for today, too, though, because we took these two weeks, last week and this week, where I just had an opportunity to share just some of the things that were on my heart as I prayed about our church, about where we are, what was the Holy Spirit saying right now, right now. And so I'm really actually uh, very uh, encouraged and full of faith for what the Holy Spirit wants to say to us today. We're going to be looking at a passage of Scripture in the book of Numbers, Old Testament book of Numbers, chapter 13. And if you're not familiar with the Old Testament or some of the different stories of the Old Testament, this is when God's people are called out of slavery in Egypt and they're heading across the wilderness into the promised land. And Moses is leading the charge and they are now right on the edge of the promised land and they send out 12 spies. And those 12 spies take 40 days to scout out the land and then they come back and they give a report to Moses and the people. And we're going to read that report today starting in verse 26. So if you have a Bible, it's Numbers chapter 13, verse 26. It'll be on the screen and you can read along. It says, they came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. And there they reported to them and the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. And they gave Moses this account. They said, we went into the land which you sent us. It does flow with milk and honey. Here is the fruit. But the people who live there are powerful. The cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we are, we can, excuse me, certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. And they said, The land we explored devours those living in it. And all the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. And we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we looked the the same to them. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we looked the same to them. If you want to jot some notes down, and I encourage you today to jot some notes down because I really do believe God has a word for your life, for your situation, and for our church. title of today's sermon is The Situation Room. The Situation Room. Would you pray with me? Every person here today in this physical location and all those joining us online in our homes all across this region. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus right now into the living room, right now into the bedroom, right now into the kitchen, wherever we find ourselves in this moment in time, right now we welcome your Holy Spirit. Lord, would you speak to us? God, would you have your way in us? Jesus, we open our hearts to you 
and we submit to you. Can you just do that even now? Open your heart to Jesus and submit to him. God, I want to hear your word. I want to hear your heart beat for my life, for the life of our church. I welcome you, Holy Spirit. Speak your word to me. Speak your word to me. Ask him personally right now. Come, Lord Jesus. Speak your word to me. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Amen. Well, church, we're living in a time where maybe more than ever in your life, I think I can say more than ever in my life, we are surrounded by voices, voices competing for your attention, voices competing for your affections. You've got all the voices of the news, right? Depending on what news channel you follow or watch most, you've got all the different competing opinions of the news. You've got the voices of social media, and everything that everybody's posting about everything that's happening in the world. You've got voices of friends, voices of family members, and all these different voices kind of colliding and debating. And I think that if we're honest, there's much to debate right now, isn't there? I mean, think of all, all the decisions you're having to make that you didn't think you'd have to make in 2020. Just recently, me and my family debating how we're going to handle back to school. And if you've got kids in school, you're probably dealing with that right now. Maybe in college, maybe in elementary school, high school. You know, and so do we go back two days a week? Do we go back all the time? Do we go back for a part of it? And what are we going to do? How are we going to keep the mask on little Johnny? And how are we going to figure out all the details? And, and, you know, should people always be wearing masks? Shouldn't they be wearing masks? And, well, what if the vaccine comes out? And are you going to get the vaccine? Well, I don't know about the vaccine. I'm not sure if I'm going to get the vaccine. And, and should I stay six feet apart or should I? say 16 feet apart. One report says it should be six. Another says 16. Another says it doesn't spread outdoors. Another says it really does spread outdoors. On and on and on. And amidst all the confusion, you've got the hot political debate of an election year in the United States, right? All the polarizing politics that we are in the middle of. All the racial division. And on top of that, of course, the physical division that we're not able to in large gatherings come together. And even the church, in all of our tiny little expressions, unable to gather in a bigger way. And so I think some of us, if you're honest today, you're tuning in to Vox Church Online, and you're angry. You're angry. Maybe you're here and you feel unheard. Maybe you're watching right now and you feel disconnected. Or maybe you just feel desperately lonely. I want to paint a picture for you today. That all of us, regardless of where you're tuning in from or what you're specifically going through, all of us right now find ourselves in what we'll call the situation room. The situation room. I'm going to step into the situation room today. And so the situation room, you may be familiar with that term. In 1961, the John F. Kennedy Conference Room was built in the basement of the White House. And today, it's mostly known as the Situation Room. And if you've seen, you know, uh, a number of political TV shows or whatever, you know a little bit about the Situation Room. It's the room, the president, national security advisor, uh, leaders from various military groups come together. It's a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week room that is consistently operating with the highest technology to allow for moment-by-moment decisions made by the United States on the most critical issues and elements of the world. An amazing little room in the basement of the White House. And so this room has existed since 1961. And since then, a number of the biggest decisions on planet Earth have been made in that room. The decision to obtain and then execute, really kill in battle, Osama bin Laden was made in the Situation Room. 
They've got pictures of that moment when the various people that played a role were a part of that decision in the Situation Room. All different decisions made through the course of our nation's history in this room. And all, many of the largest secrets of our nation made in the Situation Room. And you think about that room, and I want you just to imagine it in your own mind, because what I want to paint for you today as an image for how we process the text is that in your life right now, you have a situation room. And I'm not just talking about the people on the outside of your life, your mother-in-law that's always sharing her opinion, or your friends that keep telling you about this or that, or your you know, coworker that wants you to vote this way, whatever it might be in your life, but I'm talking less externally and more internally. That in your life right now, internally, you have a situation room. And the most important thing about the situation room in your mind, the most important thing about the decision-making process in your mind is not the technology. It's not the various nuanced you know, uh, uh, factors or, 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 uh, or information that flows through that situation room. The most important thing about a situation room are the voices sitting in the chairs. The most important thing about a situation room is the voice that you listen to most in order for a decision to be made. And right now, whether you realize it or not, your mind has various voices. You can turn to the person next to you. If you're home with your spouse, with your friend, or right here in this room, you can turn to them and tell them, I hear voices. Go ahead and tell them. It's true. We all do. The various voices that you hear, they will determine the direction of your life. In fact, your life is moving in the direction of the prominent voice around your table. Your life is moving in the direction of the prominent thought or the strongest thought in your mind. That's your entire life trajectory. And so I think for a lot of us, if we're honest, we haven't really thought about the various voices that are informing our decision-making process. And because we haven't thought about those voices, those voices are inflicting upon us undue influence. Think about it like this. If one president leaves and another president enters in, in the United States, it's their job to replace the people around the table in the situation room. But what if a president came in and just kept everyone from the previous administration in the situation room? They may not agree with the direction the president wants to go. And yet there they sit. I think for many of us, we've been intentional about so many things on the outside of our lives, but very often haven't taken the time to examine the inside of our lives. And we've got people from a previous administration sitting around our table and they are leading our lives in a direction that is contrary to God's best. And so I was praying this week and I was thinking about this burden that was on my heart to talk about the voices that play in our minds. And the Holy Spirit really drew me to this passage of Scripture. And I want to look at it allegorically today. It's a time in Israel's history where the people of God are right on the edge of the blessing, right? If you know the story, they have been for 400 years waiting for this blessing to come. God gave Abraham a promise that he would inherit this particular land known as the promised land, right? And Abraham holds on to that promise. He passes it on to his son Isaac and Jacob and on and on and on. And now here they are right on the edge of the promised land. They've waited 400 years for the fulfillment of this promise, and they send out 12 spies. 12 men go, 12, one from every tribe, and for 40 days they do some recon. And they look at the various cities and the various people that live in 
the promised land. Now, if you track with Bible, you know, stories, you've probably heard that number 40 before, right? You remember that it was 40 days and 40 nights that Jesus spent out in the wilderness when he was tested by the devil. You remember it was 40 days and 40 nights that the flood hit the earth in the time of Noah. Consistently in the scripture, that number 40 represents a time of testing. It represents a time of change. And of course, we know that Israel and its history formed for us an allegorical picture of the New Testament church. That just as Israel was in Egypt and they were slaves, so we as the people of God were in sin and we were slaves. And God delivered them through the miraculous power of the shed blood of a lamb that was wiped upon their doorpost. So also God delivered us by the shed blood of his son. And he wiped it upon the doorposts of our hearts, right? And so then he leads them out through the Red Sea, a picture of baptism that those that believe in Christ are baptized in Christ. And he comes out the other, uh, of the other place. And as they walk through the wilderness, they head in the trajectory of the promised land. So in the Spiritual, what is the promised land? The promised land is the place of victory. The promised land is the place of faith. The promised land is when you are free from that fear that's been haunting you. The promised land is when you are living not with lack, but with fullness. The promised land is when joy dominates your heart and your mind. The promised land is when you're filled with purpose and vision and life. The promised land is when your kids are thriving, when your marriage is healthy. The promised land is the place of inner victory that manifests in outer circumstances. That's where God wants to lead you. And I believe with all my heart, that's where God God wants to lead us. He wants to lead us to a place of blessing, a place of favor. And I know that people have distorted and twisted that through the years and said every Christian's going to be rich. Every Christian's going to have no problems in their life. But that's actually not what we see in the text as we examine it. We see that they enter into the promised land. But what we have to understand is that before they do, they meet in the situation room. And they get these 12 voices together. And it's interesting because The whole future of Israel really is determined by this small group, these 12 voices. And I want you to see that today, that your whole future will be determined by the voices in your situation room, that the direction of your life, the trajectory of your life, the level of blessing that you'll experience first inwardly in the gospel and then manifest throughout your life will be determined by the voices that are playing in your situation room. And so we see this, and I really do believe as I was praying and seeking God, asking him for a prophetic word for our church right now, I believe he gave me this picture, he gave me this text, and you know, here we are in 2020, right? I don't know if we have any mathematicians joining us today, but 20 plus 20 equals, nobody knows, 40, it equals 40, it wasn't a trick question, 20 plus 20 equals 40, so here we are in 2020, and I think, I think, That in some ways, maybe not for you, but in some ways, 2020 has been a year of change and testing. Can anybody testify to that, right? So here we are in the year of change and twisting, not twisting, that's not a word, but testing. 40 days, 40 nights in the ark. 40 days, 40 nights in the wilderness. 2020, the year of testing. And I believe as a church family, we are positioned on the edge of blessing. That we are right now in a position where God wants to launch us into a much greater blessing a much greater place of favor and victory, life, both personally and collectively as the family of God, a time for victory over that sin that's been haunting you, a time for freedom from that fear that's been chasing you, a time of favor and joy. And I really do believe that that is God's purpose and his plan for our church, that it's time for us to mature. It's time for us to grow up. It's time, hear me today, church, in Jesus' name, to find our voice, Fox Church, and really begin to step into the call. But that future is going to be determined 
by the prevailing voices. Look at the text with me in verse 27. It is what happens. It says, they gave Moses this account. They went into the land in which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here they are sitting around the situation room, 12 of them. And here is its fruit. And so they've got some evidence of the fruitfulness. But the people who live there are powerful. The cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. And then they kind of go crazy. Listen to what they say next. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Jordan, and uh, the Canaanites live near the sea. Yeah, so there's all these people in there, right? And I, I love that text because at first they celebrate the goodness. They're like, wow, there really is some amazing fruitfulness in this land of promise. But then they go, but we're a little surprised about something, right? We're kind of shocked. See, we went into the promised land and there's a problem. The problem is there's a whole bunch of other people living there. The problem is I got Hittites, Amalekites, Jebusites, Hebusites, all these other Zites. I got all these people living there and, 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 and we thought it was going to be our blessing and our favored place. But the problem is when we went in there, they're big and their cities are strong and we met a couple of them and they weren't pumped about being driven from the land. And they're almost, it seems, shocked by it. And I think that for us, this represents one of the greatest mistakes that Christians make in their understanding of blessing and favor. One of the greatest mistakes, greatest assumptions that is false that Christians make about God's promise and that God's blessing, it is that those blessings are going to automatically fall into my lap as soon as I agree with Jesus and come into agreement with his word over my life. The assumption that if it's God's will, there won't be a fight. And so here comes Israel, and they're ready to experience the blessing, and then they step into the promised land only to discover that there's going to be a war in order to experience the blessing, and they immediately begin to cower because they didn't have an expectation of battle to experience blessing. And this is those that pray one time for the miracle and then move on. Maybe you find yourself there. Well, I prayed, Justin, and nothing happened. Or the immature, and I'm not trying to blow you up, among us that follow the open door theology. Open door theology, the idea that says, hey, well, my theology says that if God wants me to do it, all the doors are just going to fly open and everything's going to work perfectly. That tells me it's God's will. Somebody offered me a job in Texas. I'm supposed to take it because it's an open door. So open doors decree God's will for my life. Well, friends, open doors could be a sign of God's will. But there are no guarantees that an open door alone actually is evidence of God's will. For some of us, we've thought, if it's God's purpose and plan, shouldn't it fall into place and be easy? And so maybe you're here today, and you got married, and you thought after marriage, sexual temptation and pornography wasn't going to be a problem. And yet here you are. I'm talking to you today one year in, two years in, three years in. 10 years in, and you're still battling with sexual compromise outside your marriage because you thought all your problems would go away as soon as you got married, but they followed you. Friend, what you didn't realize is it's going to be a fight to experience the blessing. It's going to be a battle that if you want to experience the blessing, you better prepare for the battle because there's always a battle with a blessing. You know, some of us thought, Justin, I became a Christian. I thought my home was going to be peaceful and my kids are going nuts. My spouse and I can't agree on anything. I thought it was all supposed to work out and it's harder than ever. You might be here and you thought, I thought everything was going to be comfortable after I invited Jesus into my life, but I feel more uncomfortable by trying to follow him. Friend, you've got to understand that with the blessing come the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Amalekites, and all kinds of other ites, the blessing is available to you. The blessing is real. 
But if you want to experience it, you better prepare for a battle. And I think that for our church right now, some of us are in a battle. A battle of disagreements, a battle of misunderstanding, a battle of frustration, a battle of loneliness. I don't agree with this. I don't agree with that. And there is a temptation, look at me today, to tuck tail and run because it's easier. Friend, you've got to understand that it's the body of Christ's job to come together in times of trial. It's the body of Christ's job to unite when we know that the gospel of the blood of Jesus is stronger than anything that would try to divide us in Jesus' name. Now's our time to stand arm in arm or six feet apart if we have to. Brothers, and sisters committed to Christ because we're going to show this world that we're not afraid of the battle to obtain the blessing. Inside the situation room, what's been the prevailing voice in your situation room? It's interesting, though, when you look at the situation room outlined for us in the book of Numbers, right? The 12 spies, 10 of those spies tell us we can't, we can't, we can't. And two of those spies, Joshua and Caleb, they say, we can, we can, we must. And I think that for most of us, this is reality. And you might be, you know, Mrs. Positivity, Lisa. You might be Mr. Positivity. But I think for most of us, if we're honest, out of the 12 voices, 10 are we can't, and two maybe are we can, right? It seems that negativity is just easier, doesn't it? Negativity is just more natural for us. It seems that our hearts and our minds run to the negative. You know, you look at it in all the various expressions in culture. You know, I think about when I want to send somebody an emoji. I feel like I got to flip through 75 negative emojis just to find one happy guy in there, right? Or you think about the, the seven dwarves, right? There's grumpy, sleepy, whatever. They're all, they're all ticked about something. And then you got happy. There's one guy, one out of seven, and Doc, so he's kind of neutral. But, but the rest of them, the rest of them are negative. The rest of them seem like they're negative. It seems that negativity just comes out naturally. And we look at the story of these spies as a internal picture of how our brains work. And we find that there are 10 who say we can't. And just two who say we can't. And so think about the voices in your mind. Take a little inventory. Who has been around your table talking? Maybe for you, it's been that voice of offense that you've been holding an offense towards somebody in your family. I'm talking to you today. That you've been holding an offense to somebody at work. You've been holding an offense towards somebody at church. And you've been holding on to that, holding on to that voice of offense playing over and over and over again. And it's causing bitterness to dominate your situation room. It's really directing the entire trajectory of your life without realizing it. For some of us, it's this voice of fear. Now, I'm not being critical of those who are being very cautious and careful. I think it's wisdom to be cautious. I know we're living in unprecedented times. Every person has to figure out for themselves the limits that we want to put up around and everything else, and we honor that and respect that. We want to be safe and careful, but for some of us, it's not safe and careful. It's fear. For some of us, it's fear. We are terrified, and we are paralyzed, and your life is being dominated by an ungodly fear, fear of being sick, fear of losing control, fear of losing your house, fear of financial ruin, fear, 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 and it's paralyzing you. For some of us, let's just be honest. The voice of laziness has pulled up a chair in our situation room. And we used to prioritize disciplined things like eating right or exercising or making the gathering of the family of God a priority. But it's just easier to sit at home and watch Netflix. And so I don't know if I'll come out to the Sunday night gathering at the North Haven Fair. And it's not because I'm afraid of any sickness. It's just because I'm lazy. 
That voice of laziness for many of us has caused our spiritual temper, temperature to radically decline. And you might be here watching this and you're about to turn it off because you're ready to just put on the next TV show. Friend, listen to me today. God wants you to prioritize his spirit in your life above all else. Don't mitigate your spiritual life down to the last priority and allow everything else to step in front of it. Don't allow spiritual laziness to sit at your conference table today. I think for a lot of us, some voices have started speaking over these last nine months, and they're swaying the entire direction of our life. And I believe that this is God's warning sign to you to say, wake up, pay attention to the voices you've been entertaining. And there's a few you're probably gonna need to kick out of your situation room. Look at verse 31. Here's the voices that they hear in Israel's situation room. It says, but the men who had gone up with him said, we can't, everybody say can't, can't. Remember, there's always 10 can'ts to two cans. That's not a bird. We can't attack these people. They are stronger than we are. They are stronger than we are. That's crazy to me because so was Egypt, right? Egypt was stronger than Israel. At the time, Egypt was the strongest nation on earth. And it was only a short time ago that God had consumed the entire army of Egypt in the Red Sea. And yet now, Israel's thinking about things with God out of the equation. Have you ever noticed how easy it is to start factoring your life without God in the equation? It almost seems natural to cut him out of the equation and this voice starts talking to you, we're not strong enough, we're not tough enough, we're not prepared enough, we don't have enough. I call that the voice of lack. Have you heard the voice of lack speaking into your heart? Have you been entertaining the voice of lack? And it's crazy because with all that Israel had been through, you would have think that they would have kicked the voice of lack out of their situation room. But here they are, after seeing God bring 10 plagues upon Egypt, after leaving Egypt as slaves with all the spoils and blessings of the richest nation on earth at the time, after seeing the Red Sea part, after being fed by manna from heaven, for day after day and month after month, they look at the promised land and they say, we can't. I'm talking to somebody today because you hear me right now and you've seen God do miracles in your life. You've watched him save your marriage. You've watched him supernaturally heal your body. You've watched him prepare for you a future of blessing and favor. You've watched him intervene time and time and time again. And yet, over the last couple of weeks, let's just be honest, over the last couple of months, you've been listening to that voice of lack that has a seat at your table, and you've been looking at your spouse and looking at your friends, and you've been saying, you know, I just don't think we can. You know, I think we can't. You know, I'm just not sure. You have somehow made the tragic error of factoring God out of the equation when now is the time as the people of faith that more than ever we should look different we should look down at lack and we should say get out of my table I don't want you seated there anymore you don't have a place in my mind and in my heart because I know that there's a God who brought me through the Red Sea there's a God who got me out of Egypt there's a God who's been with me all along and he's not about to leave me now the voice of lack. Listen to the next voice they listen to. Look at it with me, verse 32. It says, And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. And they said, check this out, The land we explored devours those living in it. Like man-eating creatures. Just, you know, all the people. Look at that. All the people we saw there were of great size. 
We, even the kids, really? We saw the Nephilim. Now, the Nephilim are these spooky monster giants from Noah's day. We don't know much. And there, the descendants of Anak came from the Nephilim. So the voice of Lack gets entertained, and now a second voice takes precedence at the situation room table, and it's the voice of exaggeration. Look at the person next to you and say, I never exaggerate. I never, never. He just exaggerated. That was, that was the idea. They say all the people, come on, think about this. All the people are giants. Really? All the people? Or did you just see one tall guy? All the people, all the people. Have you ever noticed how the voice of exaggeration compounds the fears in your life? You know, like you get a headache and you're like, man, I have a headache. Or maybe it's a brain tumor. Maybe you're going to die tomorrow. Maybe you should go to the hospital right now. Maybe, did you just see spots? Oh, well, yeah, you're probably going to die in the next three hours. Yeah. Like the, the voice, and some of you are like, no, nobody thinks that way. Yes, you do. Yes, you, sometimes you do. Sometimes you do think crazy thoughts like that. Sometimes your mind compounds your problems so quickly that the voice of exaggeration makes things that were this big into mountains. You know, like during this time, <laughs> I had a conversation with somebody. And you know, the church, this is crazy times, right? All the racial division, all the separation physically, all the challenges with COVID. Somebody came to my office and said, people are upset. I said, people are upset. He said, yeah, people are upset. I said, who's upset? People. Who is upset? People. Well, well who are the people? Well, you know, people. Well, well let's, let's be specific. Who specifically is upset? Well, this one guy who doesn't really believe in Jesus and hardly ever goes to church and hasn't given a dollar in three years, he's upset. Okay, that's one person. It's amazing how exaggeration comes. Oh, people are divided. No, you're divided. You got to get your heart right on the inside. Oh, people are upset. Well, some people are upset. And there is much to be upset about in our world right now, by the way. But I think that very often, the social isolation amplifies and exaggerates the division. And I think it's so important for us to understand that when we're listening to lack, when we're listening to exaggeration, the table of our minds is full of people, full of voices that God never intended to be around the table. And as the people of Israel listen to these voices, they come to a conclusion in verse 33 that is important for us to examine. It says, and we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. Now, <laughs> I was stuck on this all week because it says they, we seemed like grasshoppers. Apparently, they forgot that, that uh, the grasshopper was one of the strategic methods God conquered Egypt with, right? He brought locusts all across the nation of Egypt in order to set his people free. So God had already proved how he could use a grasshopper to deliver a nation. And yet they still say, oh, we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. So picture this with me. They're on the edge of the blessing. They've seen God. This is a picture of your life. They've seen God do miracles. They've experienced God's faithfulness. And yet now, the voices in their situation room are sabotaging the opportunity for blessing. And if you know how this plays out, these people do not enter into the promised land. They spend the next 40 years, that's right, 40 years wandering in the wilderness until they're dead. The 10 spies that didn't believe die in the desert alone and broke. But those two that believed inherit the promise and experience the blessing. And 
And so this situation room has huge ramifications for the future of this nation. And here they are right on the edge. And because they've entertained lack and they've entertained exaggeration, now they're believing something about themselves that's debilitating. You're a grasshopper. You're weak. You're not smart enough. You're not strong enough. You don't matter. You know what I found? When you feel small, you end up living small. When you feel weak, you end up living weak. When you feel like you don't matter, you end up living a life that doesn't matter. For many of us, we have been attacked in this season by the voice of insecurity. I'm talking to you today. And that voice of insecurity is playing in your mind again and again and again. And it's saying, you don't matter. For some of us, it's saying, hey, hey, you've got to uh, prove yourself. You've got to puff out your chest and act like you're important. For some of us, it's saying, hey, you've got to get out of that marriage you're in because you need to find somebody prettier, somebody more important, somebody wealthier that can really meet your needs. The voice of insecurity playing out in a thousand different ways in our minds. For some of us, it's the reason we keep running back to addiction. For some of us, it's the reason we keep sabotaging close relationship. The voice of insecurity seated for many of us, I think, around our conference room table. Maybe you're here listening right now and that voice of insecurity is seated at the head of your table and it is destroying your blessing. It is sabotaging your fruitfulness. It is costing you more than you realize. See, I believe that right now, church, look at me today. I believe that right now, this family of faith is on the edge of the promised land. God has spoken to my heart about this community that he has called us to be a part of real transformation in New England. He's called us to see this leashed church region become the most spiritually vibrant place on earth. That he has called us by his grace to see hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands meet Jesus, to see family trees changed, to see lives transformed. He's called us to a place of favor, to a place of victory, to a place of unity. He's called us to a place of exceeding abundance in our souls where we have a joy unspeakable and full of glory because we know that God is for us, not against us. And yet on the edge of our promised land, there's a danger. There's a danger to forfeit the blessing because of the voices you've believed. But thank God, according to the story, there are two spies that do not agree with the bad report. Though there are 10 cans, there are two cans. And they say, we believe that it can happen. And the first is Joshua. Everybody say Joshua. Joshua. Now you probably heard of Joshua before in the Old Testament. Some of us don't under, don't realize that that his name was not originally Joshua. His original name was Hoshua with an H, right? Not with a J. And so his name gets changed, by the way, right before he walks into the Promised Land to scout it out. But his name originally meant he saves, he saves. But right before he enters the Promised Land, Moses changes his name to Joshua, which means the Lord saves, which means God saves. Stop relying on your strength. Start relying on God's strength. And so he steps in as Joshua. And later, 40 years after the unfaithful spies are dead, now Joshua, as an old man, leads the people of Israel into the promised land. And of course, Joshua is an Old Testament picture of Christ. 
That name, Joshua, of course, is the same as the name Jesus. That's Greek and Hebrew, right? So Yeshua, Jesus, the one who saves, he's a picture. And I love how Jesus over your life speaks a better word than the lies that are around your conference table. He speaks a word of can when the world says can't. The Bible says that every promise in Christ is yes. That because of the cross, because of the resurrection, Jesus has positioned you by grace in such a way that God's favor and blessing is for you. It flows to you not on the merits of your life, but on the merits of his cross. And so if you start listening to Jesus, in fact, if you make him the leader of your Israel... If you make him the head of your table, he'll start speaking a better word over your life, a better word over your future. You're not going to die. You're not going to live in lack. You're not going to get sick and fall apart. You're not going to lose your business. You are favored by God. He is for you. He is with you. And if he's with you, who can be against you? Somebody's got to start listening to Joshua here. Because for too long, we've been entertaining the voice of the unfaithful spy. And so Joshua is the first voice, but then the second voice is Caleb. And I believe that he represents the new self. He represents the self-talk, the voice that you've got to speak to yourself. He is your new self. He's the believer. And I love how he talks to the situation room in verse 30. And I want to look at what he says and learn a little bit from it. Look at what he says in verse 30. He says, Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. He does three things there that are so important. First, notice what he does. He silences the crowd, right? He says, stop talking, stop talking. You know, sometimes in our lives, look at me, you have to tell some voices in your mind to shut up. Sometimes those fears that are playing out, sometimes that situation that you're spiraling in in your thoughts, sometimes that doubt, that lack, that thing that's going on inside your mind, you just have to tell yourself, hey, mind, shut up. Stop saying that. Stop believing that. Stop going that direction. We are not going there. I can't tell you the number of times I've woken up in the morning, and I always have time in the morning. I dedicate an hour in my mornings just to be with God, you know, and I wake up in the morning, and I meet with God. I go into the situation room, and very oftentimes I sit down in the situation room with God. Jesus is at the head of my table. But all these other uninvited guests somehow showed up while I was sleeping. Has this ever happened to you? And you sit down and you got doubt and you got fear and you got lack and you got exaggeration, you got worry, you got insecurity. And they're going. So many times in my morning time with God, I sit down and I've got all these feelings spiraling in my mind and in my spirit. And I've got to go, you shut up, you shut up. You shut up. There's a mom watching right now like, shut up's a bad word. Usually it is. But when you're talking to the crazy voices in your head, sometimes shut up is a good word. You shut up. 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 What do you want to say? And for many of us, it's the discipline of silencing those voices on a daily basis that will project and propel you into the fullness of God's calling. And so the first thing he does, yeah, amen. The first thing he does and the first thing that you have to do is he silences the crowd. Look at the person next to you and tell him, silence the crowd. Silence the crowd. Silence the crowd. And as you silence the crowd, what you'll discover is the anxiety starts to subside. What you'll discover is the offense starts to subside. And then he says, we should take possession. And possession is an important word right there because it's a covenant word. That word is first introduced in the Bible in Genesis chapter 15 where God promises Abraham that he will give him possession of the promised land. 
And so that word possession is directly linked to the covenant promise given to the people of Israel for that land. And so Caleb uses that word because he wants to remind all the contesting voices in his situation room that before we had a problem, we had a promise. Before we had the problem of giants, we had the promise of blessing. Before we had the problem of high walls and big fortresses, we had the promise of the land being ours. See, the promise supersedes the problem and so I want to focus on the fact that we're called to take possession because that's a covenant word it's what God spoke to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses and Joshua and now it's time for us to believe it because it's the word that overcomes the lies and the fears and so the 10 spies doubted and died but on the edge of the promised land hear me today Caleb reminds himself of what was promised 400 years earlier. He first silences the crowd, and he second rehearses the promise. You gotta rehearse the promise. Rehearse the promise. Let me ask you something. Over the last month or two, what promises have you held on to and rehearsed alone with God to get your mind right? And I'm telling you right now, let's just be honest. If you can't think of two or three immediately, it's time to get to work. It's time to get to work because here's what I know. The conference room... The situation room is hardly ever quiet. Something's always happening. And so if you're not setting the agenda, the agenda is setting you. And so you've got to set the agenda with a promise. I love Psalm 121. Look at this promise. This is for somebody right now. Listen to this promise. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. This is a promise for you. The Lord watches over you. Somebody right now through that screen, the peace of God is coming upon your heart. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. That's a promise. Somebody needs to hold on to that promise. Psalm 16, here's another promise. He says this, you make known to me the path of life. You're not going to be in confusion. You're not going to be in darkness. God's going to make known the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Notice he doesn't say joy in my circumstances. Sometimes circumstances are tough, but there is a presence that is stronger than circumstance. And so he says, you fill me with joy in your presence. Maybe your circumstances stink right now. The presence of God's going to come through that screen, and he's going to show you that when you have his presence, he can transform a dark circumstance circumstance into a position of victory presence presence you need a promise right now and so he silences the crowd he rehearses the promise and then this is what he says at the end he says for we can certainly do it you know as I was praying for your life for your heart for your mind this week that word certainly kept sticking out to me certainly 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 see in the midst of a time where there's so much negativity in the news on social media so much unbelief so much division God can give you a supernatural certainly. A supernatural certainly that grows on the inside. You remember the definition of faith that the writer of Hebrews gives us? The faith is assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. An assurance about things that should just be hoped, but they're sure inside of you. A supernatural certainty, a supernatural assurance. I believe that today before this sermon is out, 
The spirit of the living God is going to come upon you. He's going to grow in you a supernatural certainty. A supernatural certainty that when you've been living from a what if, he's going to replace it with a we can. If you've been living for an I'm not sure, he's going to replace it with surely the Lord will. He's going to replace it with a supernatural certainty. And I may not know when and I may not know how, but I am sure, surely the Lord certainly will do this. And so here's the cadence that we see from Caleb. First, he silences the crowd. Then he rehearses the promise. And then thirdly, he gives faith a voice. You've got to speak faith into your circumstance. You've got to speak faith into your situation. You've got to speak faith into your problem. Right now, you might be looking at your family and things look terrible. Things look like they're falling apart. People are arguing. People are upset. Nobody's agreeing. Somebody's about to move out. Friend, it's time to get alone. It's time to step into your situation room. And speak it out loud. My family will not fall apart in Jesus' name. My family will not crumble in Jesus' name. This marriage will not crumble in Jesus' name. Some of us have got to begin to speak faith into our circumstances. No longer will my heart cling to that offense. In Jesus' name, I'll let it go. I'm still frustrated. I'm still angry. Speak it again. No longer will that offense dominate my emotions. I'll let it go. This addiction will not define my future in Jesus' name. The power of the confession of faith. Certainly, we can do it. See, I believe that Vox Church right now, both collectively and individually, stands at the edge of the promised land. Which direction do you want to go? Do you want to go with the ten cans? Or do you want to go with Jesus and the new self? And step into the promise. I don't want to blow another 40 years on arguments and unbelief. I believe God has called us now to join faith, to stand together, to be faithful, to not waver, and to begin by faith. To believe that this is not a time of lack or loss. This is a time where God is preparing us for even greater favor and blessing. So I want you to take a moment right now. Close your eyes, would you? Maybe do some personal inventory with me. And think about your situation. Think about your situation room. Who's seated around your table? Maybe there's an inner dialogue that has been spiritually destructive that you've entertained. Maybe you've been entertaining an inner dialogue that's been pulling you away from God. Somehow the TV show became more important. Somehow the trip to the park became more important. And it's time by the grace and discipline of God to Refocus your priorities on the house of God, on the work of God, on relationship with God. Because if you're honest, you've wandered. The voices in your situation room have distracted you. Maybe, if you're honest, you've wandered from his church, from commitment to the people of God, from commitment to accountability and to discipleship, to growing in God. 
those things have slided down the priority scale. And you feel like, it's time, says the Lord. It's time to kick some people out of your situation room, to silence some voices around the table. But I was praying for you, and I felt like there's somebody watching this right now. And you said, Justin, I got these voices in my head, and I can't control it. I can't control it. I feel like the fear is just overwhelming. I feel like the anxiety is just all-consuming. The doubts, I lay in bed at night. I, I've tried. The, the frustration is just, I just can't control it. I was praying for you this week, and the Lord just spoke a word for you. He prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Jesus has prepared a situation room for you. A situation room that is full of cans, not cans. A situation room that is full of grace. A situation room that gives you a sound mind, for we have the mind of Christ. I want to pray for you right now, for every voice that's dominated the agenda of your situation room, that it will be silenced now. Will you pray with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that grace is stronger than guilt. I thank you that the cross is stronger than sin. I thank you that the blood is stronger than anything that could divide or distract. And so I decree the blood of Jesus Christ over my brother, over my sister right now. And I speak to the raging waters in every mind that is not sound. And I say, peace, be still. In Jesus' name, thus says the Lord. Receive this today. If you need to receive this right now, if you've been crying out for a sound mind, if you need God to give you peace in your thought life, just lift up your hands as a symbol of surrender right now, right where you are in your living room, in your bedroom, wherever you are right now, receive this. But now thus says the Lord, this is Isaiah 43, he who created you, he who formed you, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I call you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One, your Savior. Receive right now the peace of God and a sound mind. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Right here, right now. If today's your day to turn your life over to Christ, I want you to text the word Jesus to that number on the screen. We want to pray with you. We want to pray with you as you make that decision to trust Christ. Church, I want to pray for all of us right now. I encourage you to come out if you can, 4 p.m., 6.30 tonight. Let's pray together as we close out our service today. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that Christ speaks a better word than the lies in our minds. So, Father, I pray that even now you would awaken us to the inner dialogue that's been drawing us away from you and away from your people. And I pray for a sound mind in Jesus' name. I thank you that this is the time 
where your people step into the promised land as we never have before in a greater place of joy, a greater place of victory, a greater place of peace. Lord, I just, I, we know that there are Hittites and Jebusites and Amalekites that are going to try to come against us, but we also know that the promise is sure. And so I speak your blessing today in every situation room all across our church. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Fox Church seeks to reach New England and beyond with the life-transforming message of Jesus. If you have been impacted by this message or the ministry of Vox Church, you can continue to help us reach others by giving today at voxchurch.org forward slash give. For more information on how to get involved, visit us online or on any social media platform at vox.church. We always appreciate you taking the time to rate or review this message on iTunes. Thanks again for listening to the Vox Church podcast.